I'm going to continue the reading from Joshua chapter 24. I'll pick it up in verse 25. Follow along in Bibles or bulletins as is most convenient for you. The Word of God. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and put in place statutes and rules for them at Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. And he took a large stone and set it up there under the terebinth that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness against us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord that he spoke to us. Therefore, it shall be a witness against you, lest you deal falsely with your God. So Joshua sent the people away every man to his inheritance. Lord, uh, we pray that even now you would fulfill the words that we just prayed a few moments ago, that this word would be unto us the word of life by the working of your spirit through this mighty word that you have authored. Speak to us and help us to be challenged and to grow as your people accordingly. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. How many... How many restarts do you get in life? How many do-overs do we get in life? How many opportunities do we have to press the reset button to get a fresh new beginning as we look at things to, to use the golf term, to take a mulligan and to try things one more time from the beginning. It seems to me that today, when we think about all that has gone before us and all that is set before us, we have an opportunity as a church to do exactly that. This building and our Lord, ourselves dedicated to the Lord, seems like a great time. Now, the point of taking such a fresh start or a reset or a new beginning is not to somehow nullify or to forget about everything that has gone before, to forget about the bad, but to have a fresh start is in fact a recognition. It's a recognition that things in this world, things in our lives, can decay and almost anything and everything can become stale after some time. Lauren makes delicious fresh bread, but after just a couple of days, because there's not a lot of preservatives in that bread, that delicious fresh bread becomes stale. Fresh hearts that are full of zeal and full of enthusiasm can become stale. Fresh marriages and fresh friendships in the church of Jesus Christ can over time become stale. And even the zeal and the vigor and the joy and the anticipation that exists in a new church plant, even that can become stale over time. And into that reality, God brings opportunities along the way for renewal and for revitalization. 
And Joshua 24 is an example of exactly that. Joshua 24 isn't the beginning of Israel, nor is it the first time that God had ever covenanted with Israel or Israel had covenanted with God. Joshua 24 is a ceremony of covenant renewal. And that's good news. That's hopeful news. It's hopeful news for them, and it's hopeful news for us as well. This is a special moment in the life of Israel. This particular, I'm talking now about Joshua, that particular generation had witnessed the fulfillment of all that God had promised for the past 400 years. No other generation had seen it in the way that now this generation saw it in its culmination, in its fullness of God bringing them them into this land of promise of God, doing what he said he would do on their behalf, And, and of not only doing it collectively as all of the people of Israel coming into the land of Canaan, but what has preceded this section in Joshua 24 is the specific, we'll just call it the divvying up of the land, the giving to each of the tribes and each of the families that portion of the land that is to be their inheritance. And so this generation saw in a way that others had not seen, that not even Moses himself saw, that God had given to them place and space, particular place and space that was theirs. But along the way, they had not only seen that, right? We see that in this passage. Along the way, they had not only seen how God had provided, but in so doing, they had seen their own sin throughout the process. They had seen it in Egypt, They saw it so clearly in the wilderness, and it's been seen, we're not going to go back to it right now, but it's been seen in the conquest of the land as well. Their hearts have been revealed in this process. Their sin, their failures have been on display, perhaps magnified, even highlighted by the incredible work that God was doing in their midst at that very particular time. But now that they've come to this point, now that it's towards the end of Joshua's life, now that they've received the inheritances, it's time to stop and to pause and to remember and to renew this gracious covenant that God has made with them. This covenant, this sinew that holds them together as a nation and holds them in particular together with the Lord. It's time to reflect on that for them. Now, let's say this, and and, and, and mean it with all of our hearts, renewal can happen at any time. The day of salvation, as it's proclaimed in the Old Testament and the New Testament, says that today is the day of salvation. In one sense, renewal can happen at any time in our lives. But sometimes, sometimes the time is just the right time. And that's what you had going on in Israel here. This was just the right time. All the factors were right. It's time to renew the covenant. And that seems to be in accord with our time, with this day as well for us. It is a great 
time and a great opportunity for us as the people of God, Christ the King Church, to take stock. To take stock of ourselves individually. To take stock of the relationships that we have. To take stock of our zeal as it relates to this local church. Now, if you weren't here, I wasn't here, if you weren't here at the beginning of the days of the church plant, perhaps you've been involved in other church plants along the way. Those are heady days. Those are exciting days. Everybody's excited. Everybody's got a fervor for what's going on and what God may do. But now is the time for the people of God to take stock and say, where's that zeal? Where's that love that we had at first for the calling and the purposes of God in this area? area? And with respect to that, it seems like the opportunity to renew it. I mean, could it be? I'm asking you this question. I'm asking all of us this question. Could it be that our engagement with the church, could it be that our commitment to loving one another, could it be that our desire to see the lost one for Jesus Christ, our zeal for worship, our zeal for our growth, could it be that those things have become stale? Could those things use some freshening, some renewal? I will tell you this, your session thinks so. As we reflect on things as a session, as the church, and try and think about it, we think we could use freshening as the session. And so we're praying that for one another. We're reading books that help to tune or retune our hearts to be zealous for the kingdom of God. But perhaps that's not only true for us as a session, but for us as the church as a whole. If you think similarly to that, then I invite you to seize the moment, to get hold of this moment that God has set before us, this particular day that he's given to us for covenant renewal. But as we do so, let's be clear about something. Uh, Books, movies, pop culture, when all of those things speak about fresh starts and about new beginnings, the idea seems to be embedded in there that you can just kind of forget the past, you can turn the page, and you can just start a new day. You can do that. You can wipe out everything that's come before, let's forget about that, and let's just begin something new. But in Scripture, what we see is that covenantal renewal is always connected to and inseparable from covenantal remembering. Scripture doesn't want us to forget. God doesn't want the people of Israel to just forget about everything in the past and move on to what's in the future. The Scriptures call us to remember. Now, we've read through Joshua chapter 24, so at least from today you're a little bit familiar with Joshua chapter 24. But if I asked you before today, what's in Joshua 24? Okay, I, I don't know how many of us would know that right off the top of our heads, but if I reminded you, and if you said, I'm not sure what's in Joshua 24, and if I reminded you of one part of Joshua 24, you know what part it would be. You know which verse you would remember. Why? Because it's great. It's wonderful. It gets right at our hearts. It grabs our souls. It's kind of a manifesto for us. 
Choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm not going to ask how many of you have that on the wall of your home. You might just have it on the wall of your home. It's the one verse that we remember from Joshua chapter 24, and well-deserved. It's, 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 these are great words. But they're surrounded, those words, by others that might be viewed as kind of something of a, of a killjoy, something of a downer. Uh, there's something menacing about Joshua chapter 24 and this resolve, this desire to serve the Lord and serve Him only. The point of the passage seems to be that God has faithfully remembered His covenant, but Israel, on the other hand, has not. Israel, along the way, has been forgetful. And God is reminding them through Joshua of exactly that. God rehearses his faithfulness but reminds them that, you know what, you, as a matter of fact, weren't faithful to this covenant. I was a faithful covenant partner. You weren't. You went and you took other gods and you forsook me. And you went after the other gods and took them to be your gods. And then even in the face of their promises, their vows, their declaration, their, their pledge of allegiance, they're warned by Joshua. Listen, you won't be able to do what you are saying you would like to do. Whether or not you would like to do it or not, you won't be able to do to make good on this particular pledge. Why? Because you're prone to wander. Simple as that. You're prone to go off on your own way. We're prone to go up on our own way. And we see that not only is Joshua functioning as a witness, not only are the people witnessing against themselves by what they say, but in addition to that, a stone is set up as a witness. The stone hears all. The stone remembers all. It hears the words that God had spoke that day. It hears the words that the people had spoke that day, and it stands there waiting for its time to speak. Waiting. Seeing everything that is done in the nation of Israel, everything that is done in the heart, the stone is a covenantal rememberer. And the whole scene then, while it is expectant, it's kind of ominous. The sword of Damocles kind of dangles over the head of Israel right at this moment. We're going to do it. And it's just waiting to drop upon them. The stone is poised. It's poised right on the edge of the cliff. And Israel's at the bottom of the cliff. It has an ominous feel to it. The point seems to be this. Covenant renewal cannot be grounded in our pledge of fidelity or it is doomed. It's not enough for us to just sit here and say, we want to serve the church. We'll serve the church. We'll serve the Lord. Hear us. We'll do it. We will renew our pledge. We can't say, henceforth, now and forevermore, I will sin no more. And as a church, we will go out and we will serve you with zeal and with love and with faithfulness. 
Because we know, do we not, we know how many times we have tried exactly that, how many times we have made resolutions, vows, to ourselves, if not to others, for improvement, to stop some habit, to renew some habit, to make ourselves more available to God and more available to others. We know how many times we have done that, and we know how many times we have failed, and if we don't, God does. God knows exactly how many times we have done that. The stone sits there. But think about this, and this, I've got to make a hard shift for us here because I recognize the time in the service day, but, but think about this for a moment. There is something profoundly different about the feel of renewal, the atmosphere of renewal that exists in the New Covenant or in the New Testament. This is Old Covenant renewal. And it feels heavy. But when you read about renewal in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, it feels joyful. It feels hopeful. It feels different than that. Why? How's that? It's because a fresh wind has blown into the sails of the people of God. A new spirit has animated the people of God. All of us are familiar with the change when a new front comes into town, a new weather front comes into town. So Friday, uh, we had, you know, obviously just the, the very edges of the hurricane. And some of you already this morning have talked to me about how aches and pains came upon you during that time because, you know, the pressure changes, the humidity goes up, and it's just an all-around awful day. Whereas when the other front came in on Saturday, we experienced, we were in the same exact place. Maybe we were doing the exact same things, maybe not Friday, Saturday. But in any case, we were in the same place, but there was a fresh wind, fresh air that had come into that place and made us feel different about life. Now multiply that and put that on the spiritual side of things. A fresh air, a fresh wind has come into the people of God in the New Covenant. How? How did that change take place? Well, this change occurs. And I'm going to use Joshua language here to explain this. Because the stone, the stone that was set up as a witness, the stone that is ready to pour out its accusations against the people of God, against us, that is, for our unfaithfulness, for our failure to obey the words that we'd like to do, the resolutions that we'd like to make, the stone has instead poured out its accusations and its punishments due to us on Jesus Christ, not on us. He bore the brunt of the witness of the stone on our behalf. Think of the stone as an omniscient, all-seeing stone that sets up a record against the people of God. We say, if these walls could talk, if these stone walls around us right now could talk, and if they could talk about the thoughts that you've had just in church, just in worship, forget what you do every other day of the week, if they could just talk about your thoughts in worship over the past five years... Oh, what would those stones have to say? 
And what happens is when this stone becomes full of the accusations and is ready, is poised to fall upon us with those accusations because we have once again disobeyed the Lord, failing to keep the vows that we have made, Jesus rushes in and pushes us out of the way and allows the stone to fall upon himself. The stone of the accusations that should have crushed us crushed him. Crushed the son instead of crushing us. And if we can press this metaphor just a little bit. The one who was crushed by the stone, killed by the stone, bore the weight of the stone, then after three days pushes the stone away and comes out in newness of life and breathes the spirit of power onto the church. Be filled with a fresh wind because I have taken the stone of judgment that should speak against you and I have allowed it to fall upon me. We protest. Wait a minute. What about that stone? What about the things that I have done? What about the record that stands against me? And Jesus says to us, what stone? What stone are you talking about? Are you talking, and now I'm going to mix metaphors, are you talking about the stone that I crushed with a cross? Is, is that the stone that you are speaking of? You see, God didn't forget about the fact past. He didn't forget about all of our failings as the people of God now uniting us with Israel. He didn't forget about them. He dealt with them. And that's better. That's better. He took the list of the accusations that was against us, that was embedded in the stone, that was engraved upon the stone, and he took it upon himself. And that's why it feels different for us. The renewal that we have, the opportunity to engage in as a church, is the renewal of the Spirit of God after the wrath of God has been poured out upon the Son of God. So that now... Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. So then, in the strength of that Spirit of God that animates us, the household of God, the temple of God, the people of God, the building of God. And the great name of Jesus poured over us in baptism, in the joy of sins forgiven, in the hope of the kingdom to come and the kingdom to increase through this local church, and in thankfulness for this house that God has given to us. We dedicate the house and ourselves to the Lord. I don't know the history from 130 years ago. We aren't even the first to dedicate this building, right? We're rededicating this building to the Lord. I don't know when, but I'm sure that they dedicated it to the Lord when it was first built. And now we, joining in the great train of faith, 
dedicate this house to the Lord. May it be, and may all of us be able to say, as for us, and as for our house, we will serve the Lord by His grace. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would make it so. Without you, we can do nothing. And in you, all things are possible. Then to you, Lord, we ask that this house would be a beacon in this community. The covenant children in this room right now and those not yet born would grow up to love you, be nurtured in the faith. That we would love one another more that worship to you would be pure, that we would grow in holiness and godliness, and that you would give us collectively, individually, as families, courage and zeal to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. In 20 years, whether we be here or others be here, may we rejoice to hear the good news of salvation being spread through this community. King Jesus, be praised. And all God's people said, Amen.